Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience. I'm your host, Cameron Eileen Maharaj aka Tranos. Say it with your whole chest, or I'll cuckold you with your paralysis demon. This is Tranos and the Lived Experience, the show that's trying to have a little bit more fun, less doom, less gloom, more tunes. <laughs> um, today is just a, a kind of a different thing we're going to switch it up a little bit like as i said before i'm trying to step away from the doom and gloom even though the world provides me with infinite ammo today i have a guest with me you already know who it is but we're going to introduce them anyway introduce yourself asb i put my name in the title aka the nigga who told the guy from the just by radiohead music video that fact that the music video is about ah 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 in your face ah um, yeah, like today we're just kind of shooting the shit. Um, I wanted to like come on with my fam and just kind of like just have a conversation, just talk, just do what we normally do. But before we do that, um, as always, Tranos and the Lives Experience is brought to you by the melding and the meeting of music and marijuana. Uh, today's strain is Lose Legacy, and I closed my notes right as we were starting because I'm a dickhead. Um, <laughs> Lose Legacy is an indica dominant marijuana strain. Uh, that we're still kind of learning about um, the effects of it. The flavors and effects of this legacy are smoked, almost dabbish flavor. Um, it's THC count is at about 25%. And today's music um, selection is brought to you by Tears for Fears Shout. Because I've been doing a lot of that lately. But it's also kind of an upbeat <laughs> song for a Tranos episode. It is. I told you guys I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. Like I was going to pick some death metal shit and my mind was like, nah, don't do that. Don't do that. Who's Lou? What is Lou's legacy? Because it sounds like all the babies that were produced from Lou Bego wrong all them girls. <laughs> um, I guess Lou is supposed to be like, um, it's legacy exotics, like strain. They have a limited edition strain. So they have like several that are coming out over the next couple of months. And the first one they released was Lou's legacy. But when they released it, they were like, we're going to let you smoke it. And then we're going to tell you about it months down the line. You know, like most like FDA unapproved products. Honestly, as like a, as like a geek person, like the limited edition strain, <laughs> the limited edition anniversary strain is very appealing. Right. It's like the 75th anniversary Spider-Man comic book, except for like the Spider-Man comic book at least had a title on it. This just says Lou's Legacy. You open up, you the- open up the bag and like, it's like the clear plastic nuggets or like the <laughs> gold painted joint. And you're like, right, oh, right. I'm not never gonna smoke this. I'm gonna leave this in my display case. Like the the, nu- the nuggets with the foil, the foil nuggets. God. <laughs> like, like the foil nugs. I would say foil nugs. If they had like, hey, you open this bag and there's like one golden nugget in it, you have to keep it. I would keep it. And you get to get and you get to keep it, and then you go to Willy Wonka's Grow. Right. 
and then like I touch some shit and get kicked the fuck out because you know how I am. Yeah, you'd get oompa loompa real bad because you weren't yeah. listening to the instructions. Because I'm a uh, uh, Veruca Salt. I'm Veruca Salt's black cousin. I'm just gonna. I want it. I want it. I want it. I'm anxious all the time. So if I got into a room full of like Wonka, like Wonka weed, I would be so anxious about how I would react to it because I know me. Like I'm gonna smell something in the air, and I, you know, I got papers on me all the time. You know, I got a lighter on me all the time. Uh, I might roll a joint and get kicked directly out of there or smoke it and turn into like a fucking blueberry or some shit. I mean, the first room is like, he does say that like, it's for, it's like a free for all. So like, maybe you could just like roll up whatever was in the room and that would be fine. But that would, that building would smell so fucked up. It reminds me of, um, in Boulder, they have the celestial seasonings factory. Okay. Which they just opened up for tours again. But they have a great tour there. And one of the stops on the tour is the mint tea room where like Whoa. they dry out all their all their mints. Okay. It's the most fucked up smelling room I've ever been in in my life. Like what you, is it like musky? No, it's it's just like it's like shooting straight menthol. Holy shit. Like you step in the room and you cry because it's so minty. Yeah, it's just minty, just like straight Newport. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like getting poisoned. It's like it's like getting hit with like a little tear gas bomb. Right. It smells like a like a like a like a Christmas shop or like a peppermint factory. Your eyes just immediately start watering and shit. Yeah, it smells like it smells like getting it it, it, it approximates the experience of getting like stabbed up under the ribs by an elf. A Christmas just, elf with a sharpened candy cane. Like, we don't have any place here where you would get, like, a tour that you would care about. Like, we have French's Mustard. I bet that room smells crazy, too. Like, who wants to go into the mustard factory? Yeah, like, it's it's the area around it on, like, a Sunday morning. Like, if it's, like, raining and shit like that, you get, like, little hints of mustard in the air. And you're like, like, are we being gassed? Like, is this gas? Or if you're um, near Anheuser-Busch. No, it's, it's Jenny. Like, actually, we have Jenny. Um, if you're near Jenny on like a like a early morning, like you're getting up. Now I remember this from high school. You're getting up to go to school. You come outside and everything kind of smells like honeycomb. It's actually beer. Mm. It's actually hops being burned, and beer being like fucking brewed. And I, I I guess they have like tours of Jenny. I've lived here most of my life and I've never been inside of Jenny's warehouse. But they they just opened up a restaurant. Like I want to say like five six years ago. And um, shout out to them because they got like uh, dope bangers and mash. Word. Bangers and mash. And I, I'm going to go out on the limb here because I, I normally don't stand the fuck up for Rochester. But um, shots at England. Uh, Jenny's got better bangers and mash on my mama. Look, look, here's the thing about how, how they do their food, right? They just do it wrong. Even the stuff that they invent, for some reason, they don't do it right. Right. It's bland. London food was bland. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say it. It's been decades since I tasted it, but like I'm pretty sure that nothing's changed. They are the inventors of fusion. Most of the places you go to, you're gonna get food that comes from other countries. But if you order like English fare, it is so like remedial and like tasteless. Um, and if anybody from um, London wants to fight, like you know where to find me in America. 
So I was, I was doing some math. I was doing some quick arithmetic because I was realizing, like, I don't think I've ever been on a brewery tour, but this is a fucked up place to say. It's like, it's like I've never been skiing. You're right. Because I just, I pulled up Google Maps and there are 15 breweries within a 13 mile radius of where I am right now. Oh, shit. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) There's like, uh, there's like smaller, like we have like three heads just like popped up. It's like one of those, uh, those like IPA style beer brewery mm. things. Like it's like a restaurant mostly, but they brew their own beer. Yeah. That's like the closest thing I can say to a secondary brewery near me. The closest one after that is Jenny. And it's probably about four, four miles away from me. So I'm out of the honeycomb dome. Like I can't smell honeycomb mm. in the morning, but like, I remember that's a childhood smell. I remember this kind of like a canon event. Like I'd come outside to get ready to go to my bus stop and like the whole of the neighborhood smelt like honeycomb, like a burning honeycomb. After watching your Sailor Moon opening. Hey, you already know. You, you remembered. <laughs> like I don't leave the house until Sailor Moon opening is over with. <laughs> uh, I still have that kind of problem, that issue with music. Like if I'm listening to a banger, the world has to stop until I get to my part. If I don't get to my part, then we like we're delayed. I'm I'm just not getting out of the car. I'm one of those people who pulls up, and I'm not getting out of the car until we get past the part I like. <laughs> then we can turn the music off. But before we go any further, speaking of beer, um, I'm gonna do something I've never done on the show before. I'm actually going to drink. Um, I have a I'm you know what they don't sponsor me, but I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say their name anyway. Big Ditch Brewing Company out of Buffalo, New York. We're gonna try your cinnamon apple ale on the air, and if it's trash. I'm going to say so because I generally don't drink beer, but my friend Mad Dog, shout out to Mad Dog, brought me like four beers from the Wegmans um, and they were all like crafted beers. So I had like a Blackberry Ghost and then this is a cinnamon apple and then there's like some citrus fruit thing in there and then there's one raspberry one. But we're going to try this right now. Let's see. That's satisfying. That was nice. That was satisfying. I think I might just do a. I might just stop the show and just do like can opening ASMR. That that was so good. All right, this smells like apples. Trash. Oh, for real? Off the muscle trash. It's this strong flavor of like dried cinnamon. Like it's bitter. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, it's like burnt flavor. Yeah, it's like bitter and like it's dark. It's really dark. And it's supposed to be like an amber ale, but it's like it's like Guinness dark. Hmm. And um I'm going to finish it on the air, but I just want y'all to know um Big Ditch is trash. And it's oat based, right? You said it's oatmeal based. That's Weird, right? I'm pretty sure that's just Apple Jacks. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Apple Jacks in beer form, and it's not great. I prefer Apple Jacks. If you could have just pureed Apple Jacks and put a shot of vodka in it, I would have drank that. Put it on Pulse and then add vodka. Yeah, this is... There, they're so proud that they brewed this in New York State. It says spiced fruit beer. I don't taste any fruit. I just taste cinnamon. It has like a it has like a fruity nose, but no flavor. Yeah, like fruity nose, no fruity taste. It is 
100% trash. Um, no victim blaming, but I wonder if you're like, you know, scare quotes, supposed to like drink it out of a Pilsner glass or something so that you get the bouquet and then it like interacts with the, the cinnamon so or whatever. Bitter. But then why'd you put it in a can for? Right, right. Like, like it didn't like, this is Rochester. We're not refined. We're going to crack the can and just drink it. I'm going to put that to the side for now because that ruined my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of wild shit going on in the last two weeks, like since the uh, my last episode, at least. But like before we really get into that, like um, I want to ask the audience a question. Are you listening to Remedial Mixtape? Are you? Because we going hard in the paint. And I need, I need, we need y'all support for real. Like, I think what we do outside of Tranos and the lived experience, because we still both work together on this as well. Yeah. I think what we do outside of Tranos and the lived experience is something fairly unique and very entertaining. So my question to you is, um, why y'all not, why y'all not downloading our shit? Yeah. yeah this past week actually was an interesting one. Yeah. Cause this will be, yeah. Um, you know, we got caught up in scheduling and stuff and released an experimental episode this past week. Uh, so for sure, check that one out. It's like 20 minutes long. Have a little nibble. See, like, because we're, again, we're interested in the audience feedback. Like, if you fuck with Cameron, Eileen, Maharat, Jarrell, then why aren't you fucking with Ramita Mixtape? We need to know um, um, about um, all God. her music opinions. Right. All of our music opinions, because like the show is I mean, like we came up with it together, but like it was really formed and and, and produced and like formatted by B. And what we do there is we kind of just explore music and how it affects our emotions and, and how it brings up memories and sparks joy, sometimes sadness. We also talk about a little bit of shit that kind of like uh, cross sections with trainers. We talk about people who aren't shit. Cause that's what we do here at Trinos and the lived experience. Uh, we tell people they aren't shit. People who ain't um, shit love to have a record deal. They do. It's crazy. <laughs> they do. It happens so often. It happens so often. But oh uh, yeah, I, we, I just wanted to confront y'all as fans and just be like, hey, um, what's up with y'all? When y'all gonna check out Remedial Mixtape? Because it's fire. So make sure that you check that out. Um, when are we like? When are we gonna be doing? When are we scheduling a new episode? When are we going to be recording again? Because I'm excited about recording again. We're, we're going to record... Monday, right? Yeah, the day that you are listening to this at-home audience member, we are in the lab making remedies out of a mixer. You know, you know what I mean? Like, we're in the, we're in the kitchen. Making that chicken. <laughs> um, uh, Actually, because I, I thought we were going to talk about this, because you mentioned yeah. it offhandedly, I found yeah. in my notebook the earliest mention, like the first time, like the first conversation we had was yeah. on March 9th. Of this year? Yeah. Like we jumped on that quick. Like we talked about it and then we were doing it like immediately afterwards. This is how I remember it. I'm a, I'm a weed head, so I rely yeah, on it. We agile never- as hell. Like we had like, like we, we conceived of it and then started producing like all in the all in that all uh, all during last spring. Right, and we're like, how many episodes in now? And this will be nine. Nine. Like, it doesn't even doesn't even feel that way. And it's a it's 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 long content. It's content for when you're like driving 
to like work and you want that like reminiscent like top like top 40 but like it's two queers being like cool with it instead of like sounding like Casey Kasem I wish I could, could sound like Casey Kasem <laughs> I'm glad you knew who Casey Kasem was because I was like is that a wash reference did I just say something that was washed I think it is but I'm like a fifth dimensional bitch I don't know what is appropriate for her <laughs> and I'm gonna be 29 and No, because Casey Kasem was shaggy on What's New Scooby-Doo, still. Shit, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that because I was too old to watch What's New Scooby-Doo because I'm 43. Yeah, the one that came out in 2003, <laughs> 2002 or something. And oh, then this, I was the like, Simple Plan theme song. Oh, yeah, I was 22 years old and I was partying and doing drugs and having copious amounts of sex. So I didn't have time for cartoons, even though I'm a Scooby-Doo fan. Well, because here's the I, trick, right? If you are the right kind of partying, doing drugs, having sex person, you were like, oh, that's a polycule like what I have. <laughs> and then that's, an, that's, a, that's a vector to do parties and have sex. Correct. 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 But this is some, this is some futuristic shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I'll, so we, we touched on remedial mixtape and I'm, I'm, I'm bullying y'all into listening to it pretty much. I'm, this, this is a bully move that I'm making. I've confronted you now. It's out there. Now you know about it. So you can't say you don't. Remedial mixtape, we're going to be in the lab on Monday. When I when I send the call for y'all and I tell y'all that that new remedial mixtape is dropping, I better see y'all. When Gondor calls for aid, y'all better ride up. On God. <laughs> um, So... I had some weird interactions in the last two weeks, and I think we talked a little bit about one of them. And this does touch on a little bit of Tranos-esque shit. So uh, I made a comment on the internet that made a lot of uh, specifically white gay men upset. Uh, and I don't again? know why. Right, again. Cause I, and I don't know why, because I didn't target anyone specifically. I made the comment, and I'm, I'm, I can't totally remember exactly what i said because and i'm not willing to go back on facebook to look because i don't want to be triggered um i said at the core of the white lgbtq is an unexamined bias and as long as it's unexamined white lgbtq people will always be seen as exclusionary and that upset several white gay men who have no grasp on LGBTQ history. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because we talked about this issue specifically. I got confronted by a, someone who is a friend um, and has defended me as a trans person in, in the past. But when it came up that it was racial, all of a sudden we were of opposition. Like, what's your take on that? What's your take on the conversation that we had? Well, just first, I use my producer powers because, you know, I pull up. And what I pulled up was your post. Um, right. So white LGBTQIA people are exclusionary at their core. Don't believe me? Go take a look at their photo albums and social groups. This is not a generalized statement. It is a visible truth. If you're mad about it, try not dabbling in privilege and supremacy in your spare time. I repeat, Woo. not a generalized statement. And then you had links. You had you, you cited some sources. Mm. Like you, you said, hey, this is... I'm doing sociology. And he said, <laughs> nah, uh. And I think what it is, is, you know, on, on this show, you talk about intersectionality fucking constantly. 
Like correct. Especially because a lot of your lived experience is like trans massage noir. Yes. Experience, which is like a like a German ass compound word, where it's like <laughs> we're talking about transness and blackness and femininity. Right. And you. When you when you exist in your intersection, that's a heavier traffic intersection. It is. But when we it's talk weird. about white gays, right? Like right. Like the ultimate dink situation is always like two gay men who finally got married and they're done. Right. That was the only thing they had to worry about. Right. Like it was marriage equality for some of them and that was it. And 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 me saying this thing, like I was I was super surprised that I got the comment and the pushback from this person, but then I realized that I get this kind of pushback from them all the time. And it's because at the core of white men is this innate ability to avoid tr- the attempts to silence black people. It happens all the time with them. And when you check them on that, like it's it's almost like they're kind of like passive aggressive because if you look at the thread uh, we're not gonna i'm not gonna show the thread or any of that we're not gonna post it because I, I think you can just go to my facebook and see it if you look at the thread it is so dismissive right off the bat while all of the information i provided is right above it yeah and again like the sources are excuse me but one of the the sources you cite even is stonewall scotland Right. And that and the United Kingdom is bad for trans people. It's bad. But it's also like they have the racial situation is really different. But you can see like how one of these sources, which is your enemy in one context, is also capable of like monitoring this stuff uh, on a different level in a different area of your identity, not Mm -hmm. really considering that. You know, for example, everyone on this show is both. Um, everyone right. in this episode of this ep- of this show is both right now, um, and it reminds me a little bit of. I had a, a conversation last night coming home from seeing Janelle Monae at Red Rocks. Ah, ah, huge. Um, there, it's like masks, right? There's like culture right. war issues. Yes. Um, so queerness like broadly queerness is like a culture war issue. And if you are a relatively privileged person, like if you are a white straight person, mm-hmm. your vibe on like the things that you think you're supposed to say about queer people, is not that different than the stuff you have to say if you are a white and like, if you're like gay, like if you're a white, like alabaster bottom, right your relationship to like the conversations you're supposed to have is almost identical to like a heterosexual father of three who, you know, would have voted for Obama a third time if he could. Right. Because it's actually not your, like you, you know, now that like, okay, so gay people are allowed. They're not groomers because Donald Trump said they were, um, it's the same as like, a lot of liberals love to be about pronouns. Right. And that's it. Because. <laughs> right. That's the, the, the very essence of what I was getting at when I said what I was saying is that 
because of the intersectionalities that I have to live with, I have to face all kinds of uh, unmaskings. And generally when I have to deal with uh, cisgender white queers, uh, and I'm not gonna exclude trans white queers, I'm just gonna say white queers um, uh, in general, um, there's a lot of unmasking that happens when you have these kind of conversations. You say something real based in fact, and it becomes an opinion to them. They think that I'm making an opinion and not like an observation. That's why I said visible truth. It's a visible truth because there's tangible facts and there's a history behind it. Far be it from me to have to teach you something other than the fact that we won marriage equality years ago. Because it seems like, just like you said, it seems like when we got to marriage equality, like a lot of white queer people stopped fighting for equality as a whole. They don't like, it, it, they only wanted to fight with what dealt with them. And when I said exclusionary and, and I said that, look at your friends group, um, it's because like a lot of white, uh, a lot of queer spaces are still majority white, majority white ran. A lot of the groups that are supposed to be helping queer people still prefer, um, preferize whiteness. They put like whiteness becomes preferential. Mm -hmm. um, and for me to say something like this and, and for someone to just be like, you're an angry black woman at the end of the day and it's just your opinion is, is generally the answer I get all the time. Thus, the reason why I provided sources from different regions, from different people, from across the pond, I provided sources that are backed up by data that you can research on your own before you even enter the conversation with me. What you should do when you hear me saying stuff like that is not take it personally, but do some research and make sure you're not part of the problem. And that has nothing to do with me. You don't have to interact with me to do that. Well, and actually, that's so, that's so interesting, right? That like boiling it down that way, because that's just like we're doing like identity algebra, right? Right. We're like, okay, so it's you know, him times you or whatever. And so we like cancel out the queer on both sides. Right. So then it's white. You have a white man and a black woman. Mm -hmm. Like we've decided that being like the queerness, we've all we're level on that playing field enough for this, for the purposes of that conversation. So I, I am a logical, rational white man. All my opinions are based in like hard observations that I've made in my personal life and have never Googled or questioned. Right. You are a black woman. Therefore your mind is clouded by something that isn't my business. So please shut up right now. Right. That's pretty much what it was. It was like a, like, Oh, like this ain't it. And then the nerve to use African American vernacular it. vernacular English to try to check me was wild. That was wild. And like me still being like, this person is my friend and I need to educate them. I did so in the comment by being like, if it wasn't a thing, if what I was saying was just an opinion, then black pride wouldn't exist. Which is a great, like, you put the bumpers up for him, babe, to be like, okay, well, we have pride. We do pride, right? You right. do pride. Do you know why? Have you thought about where pride, what pride is for? <laughs> right. Have you done any research beyond like uh, the Stonewall riots? Did you, did you really look into how Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were treated afterwards? Did you, did you have conversations about how, like when Matthew, Sh were you around when Matthew Shepard was killed and like the LGBTQ stopped moving to make sure that we remembered him, but we didn't when trans women were being killed in the point? 
almost multiple times weekly at the same time. We talked about Brandon Tina. They made a movie about Brandon Tina and what happened to Brandon Tina and, and how he was murdered. His girlfriend was murdered, but they, they didn't even mention the black man that was in the room that was murdered. Is that my opinion or are those facts? Are those facts backing up the statement that I made? And definitely they are. So before you enter, uh, uh, before you enter my comments ready for combat, realize who you're dealing with is what I'm saying. And then realize the tools I gave you before the conversation even happened because the conversation didn't even need to happen. It wasn't me calling for um, uh, discourse. And look, I made that statement and I left it up there because I met that statement and that statement is true. And for you to come back and forth with me about it uh, without one looking at looking up any of the, the, the data I brought you or even having a grasp of queer history, was it was wild to me and i'm not getting off on a trano's tangent we're having we're having a discussion and it's it's nice to have these kind of discussions because i have anxiety a lot and because of the way that my transition has been going so far i second guess myself because my transness has become a detriment to me through mm -hmm. as some people would view it because they believe that i didn't become revolutionary or i didn't become an advocate or um or an activist until i came out as trans and they're wrong they're wrong i was never upfront about who i was but i was always upfront about my thoughts on the issues i was always upfront about my thoughts on the revolution i was always upfront about my thoughts on, on inequality but it just feels like now as a trans woman who is openly out that i get tried by white men all the time it's your existence is challenged more easily because and I feel like this is really important to say in this context, right, is the only kind of person that is truly allowed are cis hat white men. Right? Like that's right. part that's part of the intersectionality is every like additional non standard identity that you that lives in your heart. And, or on your skin, mm -hmm. um, you are more vulnerable to more shit. Right. So when people think that you're a man who can kill them with his hands, they don't mind you saying stuff as much. But, right. you know, they're going to push back against the black man talking about race. Right. But if you're a black trans person, they will push on you for anything. Literally literally anything and that's what i felt like the instance was i felt like mind you this person never comments on anything that i have to say we don't talk anymore like we used to since my transition we don't talk um uh i never hear from this person we never interact anymore but i said something so profound and 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 and, and that made them so upset that they felt the need to come into my comment space to check me and, and we're wrong at the end of the day, because one, the conversation is not built for you. Built for you. I think there's a line in there where they said what I was saying wasn't helping the movement. How dare you talk to me about helping the movement when I'm out here in the movement and the rest of y'all just kind of partying and living y'all lives without like worrying about le legislations against you or things being shut down. You're not worrying about that shit. I am. And let's be so clear again about this too, is that this is an, another angle on privilege is the more privileged you are, the more comfortable you are, probably. Like, in your day-to-day -day life, 
you don't have to worry about shit too much. Like, if you can afford to pay all your bills without ever thinking about it, that's a huge comfort. That's a huge privilege. A lot of people can't do that. If no one ever says that you have a, the wrong presentation, if right. no one ever says... And it's stuff that they don't say, too. Like, if no one ever follows you around when you're shopping, that is something that you, like, another angle of shit that you never have to worry about. So, when someone says, hey, some of y'all are bad, and your reaction is to freak out on them because you are uncomfortable for the first time about this, that is not, you are not special for being made uncomfortable by someone talking about something that happens to them. Like, if a black trans woman gets on her Facebook and says, white queer people the world over are bullying (laughs) gay people of color the world over, and you say, you're actually ruining gay people, that's because you have a bad grip on what the situation is, and it's because you value your comfort over justice. And, you know, shout out to fucking... So, every time you hear my voice, I am talking into a microphone in front of... uh, I guess I don't know how big it is. It's fucking enormous, but it's uh, one of Martin Luther King's many, many, many mugshots. Right. And in fucking Letter from Birmingham Jail, he says that the white liberal is a a greater enemy to liberation than, like, the full-on Klansman... Because, you know, someone shows up in the hood, in their hood, that's a fight you can have. But if there is, like, a well-meaning, well-mannered, white liberal who all they have to contribute is, like, yeah, I think that you should have all your rights. But I also think, and it's more important, that no one does anything (laughs) to secure your rights. Because that's gross. Like, right. if there's action going on, it's gross. But that's, um, what does he say? What does he say about it? It's white liberals prefer the negative, like, the like. what is, he's a really good metaphor because that dude could turn a phrase. Right. But, you know, white liberals prefer peace, even in the absence of justice, to justice even in the absence of peace, basically. Right. Like, if we got a struggle to, like, ensure that future generations of trans children can survive, then we got to be loud about it sometimes. We got to be impolite about it sometimes. But then, you know, don't say that in front of allies. Don't say that in front of cis queer people. You know, unless you know what you're getting into, because people will get in a fight with you about it, even though allegedly we're all on the same side. And I literally said, like, not like not that this is a personal uh, experience of mine, not that I'm speaking to just my personal experience. I'm speaking to the data, the data. And I was speaking to like like regionally, regionally, like I'm not the only person having this thought at this moment it is not an original thought as most as much as everybody thinks that i like wordsmithed what i said it is literally an echo of things that were said 60 years ago 40 years ago during the aids epidemic during um uh act out Mm -hmm. during um uh 
uh, Stonewall. It was these things were being repeated over time by black queer people through time that are connected through some chain of oppression. And the, the, the common denominator in all of this is that like white queer people still practice racism. Even if you're not actively doing it, because I think I believe it with my whole heart that a lot of queer white people believe that because they're queer and they don't wear white sheets, that they're not racist because they're queer and they haven't set fires on someone's lawn, that they're not racist, but they're part of the new insidious racism where you sit next to us, you have sex with us, you mingle in groups and, and, and clubs with us, but you still somehow exclude us. And I, we should say too, that that is white supremacy. Like everything that is built into like the correct vibes, every, like all the social roles, all the niceties that we're right. supposed to adhere to, is white supremacy like that shit is that's a colonial project that even white people fall into right and that's part of what uh cameron meant when you know it's not a generalized statement it's not like we're saying that white people intrinsically are racist it's that white people are rewarded for participating in structural racism right and you know, like you just have to decide to not want to do that. And it was a call to wake up pretty much. It's like, if you're not actively and like, like anti-racism, you are racist. And it, it doesn't exclude you. If you're gay, if you're trans, if you're non-binary, if you're asexual, you're not excluded from that just because you have other intersectionalities, you still walk around in a world that deals in racism. So you have to stand up against it. You have to ask, why aren't these spaces more inclusive? You have to ask yourself, why isn't your friends group more inclusive? And this spreads out. Like you can take out LGBTQ and just leave white because yeah. white, white covens, witches are some white witches are racist. It goes completely against the craft in general, but some white witches are racist. White skateboarders, racist. Um, White like, musicians, uh, racist. Like there's a like, and that really is just that. And here's the thing, right? Like if this this person and and so many other people were willing to engage critically in the shit, their feelings probably wouldn't have been hurt that way. Like right. it, it it does suck to be like, oh, by the way, uh, I know that you're winning, but the game is rigged. And it doesn't matter. Like you didn't actually, you're, you're, it's not good that you're winning. <laughs> right. Like my, my thing was, is the condescending tone that they immediately took with me without doing any of the homework. You entered the space unprepared, not me. I said what I said, nothing about it changed. I said what I said. Uh, I met what I said. I, I backed it up with I backed it up with evidence. I backed it up with historic historical markers. And their conversation, all they had to add to the conversation was that I was taking away from the movement that I'm actually actively fighting in, while they're just kind of partying and living their lives. Like I'm the one who's organizing groups. I'm the one who's saving trans and black queer people. I'm the one who's speaking out even at the detriment to myself. I'm the one who has a target on their back because I am visibly queer all the time. I'm visibly queer all the time. I'm visibly black all the time. And the condescending tone in which they took, a lot of y'all need to stop feeling so comfortable doing that. Remember that fear that you had when you thought I was a man 
and you you believed how intellectual like how intellectual and how intelligent i was and for some reason you let go of that because i let you know that i'm a trans person but none of that stuff changed i'm still intelligent i'm still willing to have intellectual conversations with you i i can and will debate you into the ground and if you come to a space unprepared and you unmask i'm going to make sure everybody knows about it I left those comments up there and I did not block or unfriend this person because I want that to be something that we visit for years to come until, until um, there's a change in the world. I'm going to keep saying these kind of things so you can keep being mad about them or you can help me change them. But if you're on the side of being mad about them, that is your problem. And that is your, that that's your shit to deal with. I said what I said, I met what I said it is backed by history. There's facts behind it. Feel whatever the fuck you're going to feel. Um, so wait, you're saying that being mansplained at doesn't give you gender euphoria? I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it does a little bit because like, it's like, oh, now, now, like, but here's the thing. <laughs> at no point in time have any of these people actually treated me like they believe that I'm a woman. And it's not that I'm asking for their belief. Is that you can't wish wash on me. Mm -hmm. You can't call me your sister and try to like fucking come down on me. You can't arm yourself with misogyny, racism, xenophobia, and transphobia and call me your sibling or call me uh, your girl or call me your sister. You can't do those things. And just because we have a friendship doesn't mean I won't unmask you. Because at the end of the day, it's survival for me. There's what? 80, 89 legislations attacking trans people now? That sounds like a small number. Hold on. Trans legislation tracker tells me that we're looking at. Okay, so we're looking at 566 bills total, 83 of which have been passed into law. Right. Right. And at no point in time is anybody worried about what's going to happen to white queer people, even though this will affect white queer people. For some reason, they think they're immune to it. And you think that your whiteness is going to ultimately protect you. But at the end of the day, we're all queer. I mean, let's talk for a second about the God. What was it in 2022? Was it? Or 2020? Yeah. So what was it in 2020? Was it 62% of white women voted for Trump? Yes. The second time? Yep. Like, the first time was bad enough, right? Like, a lot of people can claim to have been fooled. But right. how did the number go up? Because whiteness is brain poison. And again, right. let's, be so, let's be so serious, right? There is not a white country on Earth, nope. right? We invented that here in the United States to keep Irish people and black people from like intermingling. That's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a reduction, right? That's a little bit right. of an oversimplification, but not at my house. It's not. Um, right. Right. <laughs> and I want to say that that's important because like, just like last year, maybe two years ago now, Haley like realized that being white isn't a thing, right. but like a lot of white people, uh, they have access to like a huge amount of their genealogy. It must be nice. Right. And they like 
took it upon themselves to like reconnect with their ancestry because you know in much the same way that like the patriarchy ruins men by toxifying them and leading them to think that they either have to like always be they have to either kill other people or themselves and those are the only two options that when you have a feeling you can carry out um right it's important for white people to realize that like they have a culture and like a background and an ethnicity that isn't just like Panera bread and whole foods. Right. Right. Uh, whiteness is manufactured and it was manufactured uh, to, to, to bolster numbers. There is no white nation. And if we are going to break things down into black and white, then welcome to the world over because the people of the world majority are people of color. Mm. And sparking this comes off the back of like revolts and uprisings and those things like that. There's this inert fear of us and, 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 and our education and our fierceness. And a person like me is constantly put under attack for the things I say and the actions that I follow through on because it strikes fear in the hearts of the, uh, of the unjust, the uneducated, the borderline racist. Um, and as sad as it is because this person doesn't know that they lost a friend already, as sad as it is, I'm going to lose hundreds more. I've lost hundreds of friends for things that I have said that are based on reality. And then I found out, that these people were either xenophobic, anti-Semitic, racist, transphobic, or homophobic. And generally, all those people, like a, a large number of them, I want to say like 89% of them, white people. Not saying that the black community doesn't have its hand in transphobia, because it does. Sure does. It has its, it has its hand in um, misog misogyny against black, massage noir against black women. So much so that we had to create massage noir. We had to explain the phenomenon of misogyny mm -hmm. that happens to black women all the time. And not only did I have to face a little bit of racism in that context, in this conversation, that really wasn't a conversation because I provided all the information. Literally what this person came into the thing to do was try to put me in my place and it just didn't work. Where exactly is my place? I said what I said. Check your friends list. Check the groups that you hang with check the groups that you that, that that you're affiliated with and that you frequent check the clubs that you go to the restaurants or places that you work at it's mostly white people we had to have, we had to make up rules to make sure that we could safeguard employment for brown people um religions we had to make rules we're, we're still fighting about our goddamn hair mm -hmm. and for some reason what i said was a personal experience well if it's a personal experience then uh, I must be part of like some multi-celled organism because I'm not the first person to say it. I'm not the first person to see it or experience it. I'm just the one that you came across that you felt the need to check. But can't none of y'all check me? And again, like it's just wild the way that the tokenism happens in this case, right? Like you are a black trans woman who said hey, y'all are racist sometimes. We should, hopefully you do better. And then, and at the same time, like these are all people who 
will also be like, happy pride. Thank you, Marsha. She did this for me. Okay, so we just overcame some technical difficulties. And right. we don't have a, we don't know where we were at. But um, I think, you know, the, the point was, I think, that whiteness isn't intrinsic to anybody. There's no ethnic, there's no ethnicity that makes you white except that there are certain rules that we all now have agreed to for some reason that white people are certain kinds of people from certain places. But, like, not all Jews are necessarily white. Like, not all Ashkenazi Jews are necessarily white. Uh, One time I looked up if the Kardashians counted as white. Like, I got into incognito mode and Mm -hmm. got on Stormfront, the defunct Nazi website, and I was like, do they think Armenian people are white on here? Because they probably have the highest standards. Um, right. But all that means is that if you are a white person who only identifies with whiteness, then you got got by white supremacy. Like, right. your ancestors are probably mad as hell about the life that you lead. <laughs> and Right, because... And- I think we were also talking about tokenism too. Like at one point, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the reason why this happened, this conversation has happened and it's happened, been happening to me a lot from white men since I came out is because at some point in their mind, they marked me as one of the good ones. I don't know what gave off that because I've been saying the same thing the whole time. Uh, I remember, uh, everybody wanted to go to this uh, after party. And I was like, I'm going to be the only black person there. And they're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I was like, I'm the only black person here. Why wouldn't I be the only black person there? Y'all don't think about those kind of things. Mm. And that's what I made the comment for is that white people don't think about diversity until someone diverse shows up. Until someone causes diversity to happen to them. But then that's like, oh, you're like beating them over the head with it. Right. Right? And white people love to say that, like, stop shoving it down our throats. Straight people love to say, stop shoving it down our throats. But all you have to do is show up and be different and they'll get mad at you. Right. All you have to do is show up and be different. They don't plan for it. And like I said, it's almost built into their everyday lives. Like they moved to neighborhoods to isolate themselves from us. And then when we showed up there, all of a sudden they had to like deal with diversity. And the same thing happened in the queer queer community. In the queer community, it was still segregated before Stonewall happened. It was segregated. Mm -hmm. Like white, white women were still winning, like white trans women were still overall winning pageants full of brown people like and we it was so bad that we had to create ballroom it was so bad that we had to create black pride it was so bad that we had to create um we had to create leagues and schools of our own so for me to say something it's literally like uh, innocuous as like hey y'all need to like check y'all like diversity because if you're saying that you're an ally and you're a friend and you're all that other stuff then i shouldn't be your only black friend it's very like, hey, y'all, don't be racist. Why are you attacking me? Someone right. who, like, wasn't tagged. Someone who apparently thinks that it's not their business. Right. But it made them their business. And, yeah, again, so that's that was the thing about the, to- the tokenism, the tokenization, is, right. you know, you're not allowed to have strong opinions as a black trans woman. But every year, people are like, oh, Mar-. people are like, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Every year. Now who's washed? Um 
<laughs> but you know, she died destitute, right? They right. They didn't actually fuck with her. They didn't actually fuck with Sylvia. Like most queer people don't even know that it was probably Stormy Delivery who actually popped shit off. And right. that's also like that's another thing in the trans community broadly is people refuse to think about trans masculine people. Right. And they're not, they're his, not put on the put on put on the list. They're not spoken about like they exist. Even in these weird ass legislations, they're all targeting trans women. Yeah, like the only the only time you hear from like a trans masculine person is if you like fuck with trans people for real, or you know you're like a regular Fox News viewer and there's some detransitioner who didn't think that being a man meant looking like a man, right. And now they need a check to pay for their Rogaine. God, that was... <laughs> God damn. Y'all let, me, y'all let me out here? <laughs> I snuck up I'll, on me with that one. I'll, I'll let you cook. I'll <laughs> let you cook. I'll let you cook. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's disheartening as it is. I'm glad that we can sit and have these conversations. Because, I, like I said, it makes me feel sometimes like my push is too hard and it's, it's, it's hard enough. It needs to be this hard. Like I said, some real shit for a real reason. I say real shit all the time. And I realized that on my, like um, my social medias that I'm not popular unless I'm making jokes, unless I'm entertaining them. And bottom line is what I said wasn't entertaining. So somebody had to show up to police me. I think, and they do that to trans people and people of color all the time. I think maybe like the most important takeaway from this that we're landing on here is our history is, and again, this is like the intersection of like queerness and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. History is not all of the things that have been written down by historians. Right. That is an extreme, like in the history of history, that is an extremely narrow portion of like the body of all the work historians have done. If we're counting people who like tell stories, like for a lot of people, for most of human history all over the world, uh, everything that you knew was told to you by someone to whom it was told because someone told them and someone told them. And you know, that's how you get shit like that. Um, that cute little science headline that's like Maori were the first first to discover Antarctica. Not surprised to Maori, right? Because <laughs> like you know, white people think they discover shit, but actually that's because they're not checking for you know, like all the aunties who are like, oh yeah, my great grandfather got on a canoe and it was so cold he came back, right? And that's all that you need sometimes, but when we're talking about our own history and the way that we relate to each other in the queer community, it's bad because we don't have history. Like for all of the 20th century and a lot of the 19th century, we've had to be completely secret. Like we're not allowed to be anywhere. So people had to pretend not to be like, um, Oh my God. I am. Drawing a blank on the, the this doctor, who, oh, but he like invented heart surgery. 
and no one clocked him until he was dead. I I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember their name because it's not in a book anywhere. Because <laughs> like, it's obfuscated on purpose, right? It's right. like, oh, well, she she was such a girl boss. She wanted to be a surgeon, but they didn't let girls do surgery. So she lived as a man. So she wanted the guys to everybody. No, that was that was a man. Right. Like, I know that we've all been conditioned by like a father and his son get in a car accident and the surgeon says, I can't operate. That's on my son. Who's the doctor. But that man was a doctor. It wasn't a, it's not a trick. Like men aren't like men were doctors and that man was a doctor, but it's actually like incidental. (laughs) That person was going to be a man anyway, even if he was a cobbler. Um, When we have conversations again about like our Stonewall icons, people will get mad at you sometimes for saying that Marsha and Silvio were trans women because they didn't know to call themselves that because queer history in the West was 40 years old at the time. Right. 30. It was 30 years old at the time because the first thing the Nazis did was destroy all of the sex research. Right. We were starting fresh in the fifties and these people were born in the fucking forties. So they didn't even know what to, how to talk about themselves. But if someone is a 24-7 drag queen, even when they're alone, we can extrapolate that, oh, this person has the same gender experience that our you know trans, our binary trans sisters are having. And even a right. lot of our non-binary trans sisters, if we're adding in black people grappling with white beauty standards like a lot black blackness is fucking non-binary as hell because we're not we don't look like how you're supposed to look like even a light-skinned person like me is not white person shaped right right and uh sylvia lived longer way longer than Marsha p like she lived clear into like the, the the early 90s i think i think she lived into the early 90s um i'm not sure but she's documented saying that she was a, a, one of the dolls. She was a transsexual. That's the words they used back then. We used code. We, we learned how to like, we learned how to maneuver through society. Um, and even back then, like white transsexuals were valued more. So Sylvia died in 2002, which means that she lived to see the people of New York punished for the way that they treated her. Right, but not not too much because Rudy Giuliani made it hard for her to exist. That he destroyed the peers. He's destroyed their ability to make money. He destroyed their ability to exist in New York. And Sylvia Rivera did all that fighting and was still homeless the day she died. Was still homeless, like she still lived on the street, and she fought for LGBTQ freedom. She fought for equality. And when we have these conversations, she was saying all the things that I'm saying. She was saying all the same things that I say. I I take from her book. These are not original ideas. Mm-hmm. I found a way to have these conversations in my way, but they're not my ideas. And again, that's that's, that's part of the vibe, right? Like, right. We're sort of necessarily a deco- decolonized group of people, right? In a well, see, we're not decolonized, but we're obviously colonized 
So mm. if you are somebody who cares about the well-being of everyone in this family, cohort, mm-hmm. whatever, then you kind of have to care about that part, that people of color aren't treated the same way as white people in the same spaces, that women aren't treated the same way as men in these same spaces, that trans people aren't treated the same way as cis people. And it's truly everywhere. <laughs> the only reason you wouldn't know is if it was if it made you happy that it wasn't your business. Right. And to silence someone is white supremacy. And I know you didn't set a fire. You didn't throw like you're you didn't let dogs go. You're not shooting hoses, but it's white supremacy to believe that you can exist in a world where you only see people who look like you. And then you design your whole aesthetic around that. You're a white supremacist. If you go to a party and it's just white people there, you're and, and, and nobody cares. That's a problem. If you go to an event that's supposed to be uplifting queer people and it's all head, all the headliners are white. That's a problem. If you're I, I, I promise you, I think I've said this in so many other episodes that like the only time y'all listen to us is when you're willing to like when you're willing to bolster your clout, your ab, your ab, advocacy clout or your activism clout. And you 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 use us as um, as fodder and clout all the time. Like, oh, we got to protect trans women. We got to protect black trans women and we got to protect black people. Black lives matter. But what you did when you entered my comment section, which you said not all white gays. And this is a lesson for all adults, but humble yourself urgently. Right. Right. Like if someone says, I've experienced this a lot. Everyone I know has experienced this. Here's some scholarship about it. Mm -hmm. You are never allowed to go. Nah. And you know, this is, it, it maps onto a lot of stuff. Like, again, this is something that a lot of us struggle with in a lot of ways. But nuh-uh, black people don't have a hard time is the same thing as like, nuh-uh, COVID is just the flu. Nuh-uh, it's always hot in the summer. It's not a big deal that it's hotter than it's ever been. <laughs> like, just, it's okay to be wrong. And people like you when you're fine with being wrong. Just and willing as long to educate as you don't yourself. make it your whole, your whole brand. Right, and then willing to educate yourself. Like I've said this and I, I know I know I lied to y'all and I said we were gonna be on the less doom and gloom side, but then I jumped in y'all ass again. But it is what it is. <laughs> Girl, I'm, I'm I'm treading water. I'm fighting for my life trying to keep it. But then I said that I made that little jokey joke about 9-11. It's not been going right. No. <laughs> hey yo. <laughs> um yeah, I jumped I jumped into y'all ass again, but I wanted to do so because I wanted you to believe something after i'm going to say another thing and it might be controversial some other people might be like wait a minute what did she just say racism wasn't just done to me it's also being done to you white supremacy is being done to you it's because you get to walk around uneducated about it it stole education from you it stole history from you it stole the knowledge of your culture from you It, it did all of those things and you have to wake up I literally just was like, here's a key, key, like major key, DJ Khaled shit. Uh, if you're anti-racism and you're about diversity, 
the way you say you are. Look around you when you're doing things throughout the day. Ask yourself, why am I constantly only surrounded by white people? Is it because I only go to places where white people are? Is it because I only feel safe around them? Or am I actively helping exclude diversity? That's what I made the comment for. If you saw, if you read into it any more than that, that's not my fucking problem. I just realized something about this too. I forget about this because this is not, at no point in my life has this been my experience or understanding, but a lot of people think that like you are racist or you're not. Right. So racists are like Nazis and Klan people, Klansmen. Right. 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 You have to like be a racist. You have to like harbor hate in your heart. But that's not true. Like you can do racism without feeling like you don't like black people. Like like maybe you have black friends. Maybe you have Asian friends. And this was a big thing like three years ago, right at the beginning of COVID. Maybe you have East Asian friends. Maybe you have, maybe there, there are people who you legitimately deeply love. Like maybe you are married to somebody who is not, who, who has an ethnicity and you don't think you do. Right. That doesn't protect you from doing racism. And that's the, the thing, right? It doesn't matter if you are racist, if you say you aren't and then do racism on somebody. That's like a thing that you have to figure out and you have to be willing. You have to be humble enough to say, I think I fucked up. And if I fix it right now, that doesn't reflect on me as a person. Right. Like it's, you might be laying next to your black partner right now. And if they said the same thing that I said, would you respond the same? Ask yourself why you responded that way to what I had to say. And then realize is that because even though you love somebody who is of, of, of eth- as, as ethnic, you love someone who has an ethnicity that is different from yours. The reason why you said it to me is not because you hate them. It's because you're comfortable with what's going on and you're scared of what the world will look like if you're not centered. And that's not my fucking problem. My job is to knock you off center. And I was never secretive about my goal. My goal is to knock you off center. You cannot be centered in a world with so many different kinds of people. Right. You it's can't. Not, it's not personal. You're just not supposed to be there. Like, right. It's everybody is the center of the universe. When we look out, we only see the greatest distance that we can perceive. Everybody's the center of the universe. Everybody deserves like equal freedoms and respects until they do some fuck shit. And I learned that you're an asshole who doesn't deserve respect. Right. And that's a choice that you can make at any time. Right. And I think that's the, I think that's the name of this episode. Now the name of the episode is destroy the center. Cause that's what I've been doing out here for the last, what this show is almost four years old now. Yeah. What is it? Four, four years almost, old. It's about three. I think it'll be four years old in September. Oh no. December. I thought we for started 40, in 2020. Was it 2019? I think it was 2019. That's wild. Right. It is wild. But um, since the inception of this show, and I get a lot of comments from people who don't listen to my show who've heard like clips or read the uh, the the um the bios at the beginning of each episode, 
that I talk about this kind of stuff too much, then stop doing it. Stop doing it. <laughs> like if like my goal, my my aim has always been to topple patriarchy, to dismantle racism, to uh, um, fornicate the authorities. And if you're surprised that I said some fucking shit, like where the fuck have you been? First off. And secondly, like that's not my it's not my job to educate you and hold your hand through it. You're going to kick and scream. And that's that's what transition and change brings about. It brings about like the dismantling of ideas. It makes you think about who you are as a person, who you've been as a person and good people, air quotes, embrace that change. They find a way to find a balance. And if what I say moves you to anger, then it was fucking aimed at you. <laughs> like, period. Um, let's um let's lighten let's lighten this up a little bit. I'm gonna hit a little bit of this Louis legacy and see if we can get some jokes out of me after I lied to y'all and told y'all we was gonna have a good fun time, and then we jumped in y'all last tandemly. We did some trans tandem shit on y'all. We are tag teaming y'all right now. You are getting DP'd. <laughs> but first, um, before we go any further, I'm gonna take this hit out of um I named this one. Uh, it's uh, I got a new bong, and it's got a, a snapping turtle in it, and its name is Snapple Turtle. <laughs> Here we go. Whew, Jesus. <laughs> oh, shit, there it is. <laughs> <coughs> Snapping turtle whoops ass. Snap a turtle. It's a snapping turtle. Um, yeah, I like um I would like to come into my show and have conversations uh like this a lot, but like I also want to have a little bit more fun in the future. And I know I've said this several episodes in the um in the past, but like I like confronting things and having conversations, and I think this was a good way for me to work through that because, like I said, I was really like torn. I was like, "Oh man, like I lost a friend." Or, no, I lost another friend, and that's gonna happen in this work that I do. Well, because here's the thing about it, right? Like sometimes it's hard to grow. Like sometimes it hurts for you to grow and change, but that's just how it is. Like so when you do exercise. You break your body parts down, and they come back stronger because you thought about it and you're trying to do something. But if you are training just by yourself, you can get tunnel vision. You can fuck yourself up. You can put yourself in a place that isn't so good, and it's too painful. But if you have a workout buddy, if you have a trainer with you, you can be like, okay, that was exactly enough <laughs> discussion. Right. Right, because, like, I get lost in these conversations sometimes, and then afterwards, like, I have to deal. Y'all don't see how I deal with the, like, the aftermath of these shows. It takes, it, it, it wears on me a lot. And lately, I've been just thinking about, like, just having more fun and, and getting on here and having other conversations. Oh, I know we tricked y'all in the beginning because y'all thought we were going to have talks about beer and all that other shit. And then I jumped in y'all ass. But, like, y'all might... Be prepared for me to jump in your ass every once in a while because that's what this show is about at the end of the day. Um, and if you want to hear more fun things, make sure that you check out Remedial Mixtape because we have fun on that show. That one's just a fun show. And I didn't know it was going to be like this, but I did yeah, my best because it's true. Like some of this stuff, got to talk about that shit. 
I didn't know if I was gonna bring it there. I was like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't tell B this that I was gonna was bring itchy. it, there. and I didn't know I was gonna bring it up until it was happening because that's just how it works. Like I don't write scripts here. I don't plan out my episodes. I talk about what's going on in the two weeks that you don't hear from me. And I know we got lots of other shit to touch on. Um, we got Marjorie Taylor Green being Marjorie Taylor Green. We got um. <laughs> Yertle the turtle freezing, like somebody keeps pushing pause and un- or unplugging his controller every time he has a meeting, and that's Mitch McConnell I'm talking about. That's, that's uh, wild. Yo, he just keeps like he just keeps freezing up, and like I feel bad because I work around people who experience senility and Alzheimer's and those kind of things, so I feel bad, but at the same time, like it couldn't happen to a better person. There's a yeah, that's a whole big thing about like not unrelated though. Just, it's a whole big thing. Hey, let me just be so clear. Everything, every problem is capitalism. And all the superstructures that we're talking about, white supremacy, and the way that it, you have to be polite and you have to like do things a certain way. These are all related. <laughs> this shit is right. all related. The fact it's that Diane Feinstein keeps getting like pushed, like rolled into the, the chambers. Right. And then doesn't hear or say anything. That's related and a problem, but it's not. Trans. It's crazy. It's crazy how like like it's all like we're, we've moved on from me jumping in white people's asses to me being concerned. It's crazy, and I have concern for Mitch McConnell. That's crazy. Um, it's concerning to me how everybody's handling him instead of admitting what's going on and trying to find him some help. They're just kind of handling him. And same thing with uh, Feinstein. They're just handling. Like, they're just like, oh, like, they're here. They're a body. If we lose these two people, we lose seats. It's about points for them. It's mm-hmm. about, like, points for them, not people. Not even their own people. And Not like, even in Mitch McConnell's case. He has to seem in charge. It's his right. job <laughs> to be right. the in charge one. And like everything's like just kind of falling apart around him. And like, don't get me wrong, like my inner like s- like straight socialist communist is like doing jumping jacks and backflips. But I'm also a human being who has compassion, even for pieces of shit like Mitch McConnell. Like my man's deteriorating live on camera, and it, th- he's being handled. Like he's they they don't even show concern for him. Mm-hmm. They're just like stand here, look at that camera there. We're going to repeat things to you. And hopefully like the community, the nation won't notice that you are slipping slowly into the pool of senility. I noticed. Everybody noticed. My man froze like somebody unplugged his controller. And it was, it was, it was uncomfortable. It was long. It was really long. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit. Like, I feel bad for this dude. Like, because again, like there's a certain, there's like a base level of like human dignity that people deserve to have, and right. you know, I guess that's part of playing the game. Is when you get to the highest levels of this shit, then you're an asset as much as a person. And all those young demo, all those young uh, Republicans, right? They fucking hate each other. They're getting in fights and shit. There's no yeah. way one of them is ready to be speaker of anything. You know what would be crazy if, if Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene gets it? It'd be crazy. That'd be the it's f- wild that she got voted in a second time. That's wild. I get like who's to like we we, we sort of pointed at a lot of these issues without being able to like diagnose them. But there are people out there who don't want to live in the world as it is. 
Right. And they have damaged this country <laughs> and damaged the world with this country. Right. Well, that's been another show where I tricked you. <laughs> um, but this time I got tricked too. We're on a team. We're all, hey, look, I, I called an audible. I'm sorry. I, I lost my playbook. So <laughs> um, we will be having more like fun discussions like next time. Like I think next time we're going to talk about like cartoons. <laughs> Have a cartoon cartoon Monday. Yeah, let's do a cartoon one next one, uh, so we can give everybody a palate cleanser. I think I think this this episode and the episode before, like I think that was like the extent of my venom. I'm preparing myself. Um, in the next couple of months, I'm having surgery, so I am looking to have a better outlook on life now that one of my like major life goals is being reached. So, if you want to help a bitch out, listen to our content. Check out Trinos and the Lived Experience every other Monday at six a.m. And make sure that you listen to Remedial Mixtape. For for real. Like, find us on Instagram. Follow. Yeah, get on Remedial Mixtape. Remedial Mixtape. Remedial underscore Mixtape on Instagram. And Patreon.com slash Remedial underscore Mixtape. Where we are going to start experimenting with bonus episodes. Like the one that we put on the regular feed this week. And mm-hmm. where you can get access to the full, unabridged, unannotated playlist that we talk about. And we got like we got our other ideas coming out. We got like a a TikTok idea that we're gonna try um the next to roll out in the next couple of, I want to say next couple of months. Um, and we just want y'all to support us because it's gonna be hard like doing this work, recovering. So if you could cover my ass for a couple of weeks with a little bit of support, protect that'd be great. Protect her face, right? Because <laughs> um, lots of things are are, are changing. Uh, February is my surgery. February might also be my last uh, month wrestling after 24 years. Um, so with that being said, B, you got anything you want to say to the crowd before we leave this motherfucker? Y'all, I'm so serious. Just be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> Just be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> and I'm Tranos, a.k.a. Kamrayin Aline Maharaj Terrell. But call me Tranos. Or I swear to you, I will cuck you with your like sleep paralysis demon every morning. And this is Trenos and the Lived Experience, the show that is on to bigger, better things, period. Well, get the fuck out of here.